Thank you for coming out, church. I hope you're all doing good. My name is Mohammed. You're safe. Sit down. I am a pastor, so I am the prayer and congregational care pastor here. And I have the privilege of speaking to you about hope. Hope, trust, and are synonymous. To have hope is to have trust in something or someone. To have hope is to have faith or trust something gonna happen. The world puts its trust in the things and people of this world. And they are not constant, they're always changing. And 2020 have proved that to us. As Christians, we put our hope in Jesus. And we know our Lord and God never changes. He is always constant and he never fails. So we don't wish for certain outcome. We expect it. We don't leave our hope to chance. We put our hope at the feet of Jesus and we expect that or we put the outcome up to him. I personally love Christmas, even though I did not grow up with Christmas, but I celebrated Christmas as an adult. I was married and had a child, and I saw the joy and the anticipation in my children's eyes. They were counting the days till Christmas. And when they opened up their presents on Christmas day, I saw their joy, and that brought joy into my life. And I'm be honest with you, I saw many of you how much joy you had when you were dropping off Christmas presents for our experienced Christmas event. By the same token, I know many of you might be in a dark place. Maybe you have suffered a loss of a friend, a family, or a loved one. Perhaps you lost a relationship or lost a job or maybe you are just suffering in depression or physically, I want to tell you there is hope. In Isaiah chapter nine, people of Israel were in a dark place because they rejected the word of God. But God had planned for them to bring light unto their land. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two through seven, you can follow with me with your hand out if you like. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be fuel for fire. Listen to verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with the fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah said the government will be on Jesus' shoulders. We can't put our hope in our government or our political readers or parties or in the man in the White House. Our hope is on the man on the cross. He is our hope. Isaiah continues to say, when you find yourself in a dark place and you need direction, he is the counselor. A little over three years ago, after my heart attack, I knew God was calling me for ministry. Be honest with you, I did not know what my next step was. All what I had to do is lean upon the word of God and the spirit of God for direction. So if you are there and you need direction, get in the word, consult with the Holy Spirit. He is our hope. Today you might say I'm lonely. My family left. My friends abandoned me. Several years ago, many years ago, I was there too. I also questioned his love for me. But Isaiah said he is our father. The king of kings, lord of lords, the mighty God calls you sons and daughters. You are princes and princesses in his eyes. Put your hope in him. Today you might say, I just need peace, inner peace in my life. He is prince of peace. He is going to give you peace beyond your understanding. Put your hope in him. Brothers and sisters, your hope is not in political leaders or your bank account or the title you have at work or be honest with you, even your family. Or if you are like me and how much good I did to outdo my bad things. I tried to outdo God. There's no hope for eternal life through this. Our hope for eternal life is only through Emmanuel, born of a virgin, died on the cross, bearing all of our sins and rose again. He is interceding even now at the right hand of God and he is coming back. You heard me, right? He is coming back and his name is Jesus. And we only through him and in him we have hope of eternal life. He is our hope. I wish you a Merry Christmas and thank you. Hello, church. My name is Hannah, um, and I work with our middle school population here um, in our Eon ministry. I'm sure they were thinking that they were going to get away from me this week, but here you are, guys. Sorry. Have to hear from me again. Um, my passage is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. If, all right, if it's all right with you, I'd like to go ahead and read it before we speak. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. 
Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Around Christmas time, we think a lot about love. It's something that we all idolize and hope for, and I know many people who look at others' family situations or places that they get to spend time and relationships that they have, and there's an enviousness in our heart. If only I had someone that loved me like that. If only I had a place to go where I would experience unconditional love, where it didn't matter what I did or who I had been the night before, I would be welcomed with open arms. I'd be fed and cared for and given gifts intentional gifts, right? Well, this is our God. This is what the scripture tells us, is that our God emptied himself and he loved us enough to pour it all out for us. We are not alone. And if you are in this room today and you're just wondering who loves me, who would love me enough to care for me, Jesus Christ does. I have spent many times wondering about the imperfections of human love. We try our best in our relationships. We try our best in the places that God has given us in our work, in our ministry, whatever that looks like for you. But we always come up short, don't we? There's always something that we're missing. And this scripture shows us the love that God has is perfect, that it's humble, that it's gentle, that it's bold. And this is what we need. This scripture is written to a group of believers. And so I'd like to address the believers in the room for a second. Oftentimes we idealize what it looks like to love like Christ loves. We wanna do great, big, miraculous things that will put our name in lights or get to write a book about, but we forget about the small little things that show Christ's love every day. We can make excuses. We can say, God, those people, I would love those people over there. I'll do anything for you. But these people who hurt me, this family member that I just can't get along with, even when we're eating turkey and having a good time, God, why? This is the love of Christ. We, we bruised him and sent him to the cross and he still came and loved us. Reading here, what stands out is the emptying. No one was too lesser for Jesus to interact with and show his love to. We are reminded in this passage also that we all as humans are lesser than God, that there is a level ground at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter what you've done, he wants you. We as believers respond in self-abandoning love, not because you and I have any great love or this great mission that's been stamped on us alone, but because we adopt or take on the attitude that Christ has already shown us. 
we must never forget that you and I are just as desperately in need of a savior as the person sitting next to us. If you are new here today, I hope that you know that no matter what you have done or been, you are welcome here to receive the love of Christ and interact with his truth. And if you are in this room and you feel like you've been pouring out and you've been pouring out and you're trying to do your best to love the people and you are weary and tired, I want you to direct your eyes to the end of the scripture. And we are reminded that Christ has the victory and that when we love, we are loving because Christ first loved us, right? He poured himself out so that we can pour ourselves out. And one day we get to stand in heaven with all of those that Christ gives us the opportunity to share his gospel with and worship him forever. So my challenge to you today is, have you accepted the love that Christ is offering to you, this perfect, wonderful, matchless love? And is there someone else in your life that you need to show that to? And let's do that today. Merry Christmas, church. Thank you. Hello, church. My name is Phil Linskog, and I am the operations manager for our network of churches. And I was given the candle of joy for this Advent service. As a person who oversees the business side of the church, I don't get an opportunity to be in front of everyone like this. Being in my position gives me a unique view of the workings of this church, usually seen in numbers, spreadsheets, and dashboards. But I wanna take an opportunity to thank all of you. Over the last six years on this team, I've seen this church quadruple. I've seen this church bounce back from COVID, not only at a faster rate than most churches in this country, but expanded, grown, and planting campuses. And when I get calls from organizations asking how we are so successful, one of the things I tell them is that we have an incredible community who is passionate about our mission and vision of making disciples. So I'm able to brag on y'all to those organizations. And with this opportunity, I wanna say thank you to you, to everyone in this room for making my job possible, for making this whole team, um, being able to be here and serve y'all and do kingdom work with you. So thank you. So let's talk about joy. This time of year, the word joy gets tossed around a lot. It seems to be in the title of every Hallmark Christmas movie. It's on the paper that we wrap our presents and written in on frosting, on the cookies that we buy. Joy seems to usually only be associated with positive experiences. But all throughout scripture, joy is usually spoken about in the same breath as struggle. King David says that although there may be weeping overnight, joy comes in the morning. James says, count it all joy when you endure trials. And Paul says to rejoice as we share in the sufferings of Christ. Joy is something that comes from within. It is not based on external factors, but rather has its foundation in the truth of how God sees us which is something that can never be taken away. It is something that we must learn how to choose on a daily and sometimes hourly basis. Joy at its core provides us the opportunity to look beyond 
what is happening to us and around us and bring forth life, peace, and true contentment that is only found through the Holy Spirit. It allows us to see and be seen by God during those difficult times of sadness, loneliness, and hurt. Joy is also one of the fruit of the Spirit. As followers of Christ, those are a list of attributes that should be evident in our lives. Not a list that we can pick and choose from, but things that we should be striving for on a daily basis. Now, with all that said, I'd say that joy is probably one of the least likely attributes to be attributed to me by those who know me. <clears throat> in fact, when everyone found out that I was given the candle of joy who works here, they all laughed. <laughs> I don't know what I did to Kyle, because uh, I'm a saint, uh, for him to pay me back by giving me this candle. Um, but to, to be honest, I, <laughs> I had no clue what I was gonna talk about that wouldn't be just strictly academic. But as I was seeking the Lord's wisdom for this weekend, he reminded me that the struggles that I have faced in my life and the core lies that I battled daily not to believe are not negative, but opportunities to choose joy daily. Now we all face struggles. I, I would guarantee that there is not a single person in this room who is not facing something right now. Maybe big, maybe small. It's maybe something that's been going on for years. So what I wanna share with you all today is an encouragement. It's an encouragement to myself and an encouragement to everyone in this room. First, I wanna remind everyone that you are not alone. The need for joy often comes in times that are difficult. Not only is there a God that loves you, sees you, and wants to walk with you, but you are sitting in a room of believers that is not afraid of the messiness of life. Second, with everything inside of you, pursue joy. It is not easy when things seem to be falling in around you, but that choice will give you the foundation needed to endure. Third, when you feel like you have nothing inside and you can't choose joy, know that everyone who has the Holy Spirit with inside of them has an endless supply of joy already. It just needs to be tapped into. And finally, when you miss an opportunity to choose joy and you feel overwhelmed, remember, try again. Joy is one of the many gifts that we have in Christ that we celebrate the season of Advent. We are celebrating not only his birth in which his equality with God was not something to look advantage of like Hannah said, but also the life in which he took on the form of a suffering servant who found joy in all that he did. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. My name is Rachel Bjork, and I am one of the Life Group's pastors here at The Experience. And today, I would like to talk to you about God's peace. Let's start with the quick story. 
It was June 4th, 2020. My husband and I were visiting his grandfather in the peaceful lands of Illinois. The bright blue skies were beautiful and the crops were promising a huge harvest. But inside that farmhouse on that fateful day, I had one of the worst moments of my entire life. That evening, as I was lying in bed, my mind was racing. I couldn't stop the destructive thoughts that were coming into my brain. I started shaking uncontrollably. I was cold all over. I tried to find a comfortable position, but it will not come. My heart rate skyrocketed for no apparent reason. I thought I was dying. My husband, Ben, was scared to death because he had no idea what was happening. And after a torturous hour that felt never ending, my body finally settled down. In the next coming days, the anxiety and panic of that evening consumed my thoughts. After talking with a good counselor, I had found out that I had just had my first panic attack. My fear of COVID, my family and friends dying, overcame me constantly during that time. But it didn't stop there. I started having dreams, awful, vivid dreams, that my dear sweet husband, Ben, had died and I was left in turmoil. During this time, I cried out to God to remove this fear, this anxiety, this worry. I had no peace, no contentment, no calmness as the world swirled around me like a tornado. It felt like the anxiety would never go away. It felt like it would always be there. It led me on a journey to discover what God's peace really is all about. And I found that in scripture. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. God's peace is a calmness of the soul that is only found in Jesus. We will have suffering and hardships, but we can be courageous because our peace is found in Him, who is the only solid thing in this world amidst so much sinking sand. It is not in the things of this world, people, goals, ambitions, desires. Those are all temporary things that will go away. <laughs> we must trust in Jesus who will never go away because He has conquered the world. He alone will keep us steady and unwavering and even capable of smiling, even when everything in us wants to scream for dear life. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him and He will keep your path straight. When we lean on our own thoughts and views of the situation, we will lose God's peace. We must trust Jesus to give us a correct view of our circumstances. But to trust Him, we have to know Him. My best friend and I have been best friends for 17 years, and we make it a point every week to go get coffee. We have built an, a massive amount of trust in those 17 years. I know Elizabeth, I know her, and she knows me. How much more so do we need to know our Father? 
Jesus. We need to know him, but to do that, we have to know his characteristics. He's all powerful, all loving, all kind, even when it doesn't feel that way. But the only way to know him is to spend time with him, daily meditating on the Bible, spending time in prayer. And this, in this consistency over time, a peace will come that it will all be all right. The Holy Spirit will give you that. Even if the worst happens, Jesus will be with us. So that awful summer of 2020, I had to ask the really hard question, what if I died today? Then I had to ask for me an even harder question, what if Ben died? What if everyone in my world went away? Would I be okay then? Would I have peace then? Are we strong and courageous even in the scariest moments? Do we trust God that when things go crazy and the world is upside down that it will be okay? We will not have God's peace unless we give it all to him. It has to be his way and not our way. So I had to make a choice. Was I gonna feed the fear and the worry and the anxiety? Or was I gonna feed the love of Jesus and the peace that only he gives? And I decided to choose peace in those moments. And believe me, it was and it still is not an easy battle. I battle worries today, but I have a different perspective. I have an eternal perspective. Trust is an action. Trust is an action that we have to exercise all the time, sometimes moment by moment, choosing the love of Jesus over the fears. Our minds are always occupied with something. If we dwell on the fears, Satan wins. If we dwell on God's character, then peace wins. So let's choose to feed our mind with those good things. And as crazy as this might sound, <laughs> I'm actually really glad that that awful summer of 2020 happened to me. Because if it had not happened, I wouldn't be able to trust him now like I have. And my peace was kindled that is truer than ever. So during this Christmas time, let's remember that God's peace is not dependent on our circumstances, but it is dependent on a little baby boy who was born over 2,000 years ago who, who came to give us peace. This peace is not the war, as the world sees peace, but as the Savior sees peace. We don't have to be trapped in our fear of tomorrow. We don't have to be trapped in our guilt from yesterday. We can have contentment today because this is not our home. We know who wrote our beautiful story. Our Lord has conquered the chaos so we can have his true everlasting peace. Thank you. Good evening, everybody doing okay? You guys good? If you come to this church, you're probably thinking, I didn't know Corey owned any button-up shirts. Well, I didn't until this week, and our student ministries team made these. It has our name on it right here. So I was given one, because we have this rule here at the church that any shirts that are made, doesn't matter what department it is, or if I had any say-so in it, I get a free one because I started the church. So uh, yeah, that's how I got this, and it's pretty Christmassy. So it worked out, it worked out really, really well. Um, I always get the, the, the pleasure and the honor and the distinction every year of getting to read um, what is essentially the Christmas story from, 
from the Gospel of Luke, and this is probably the most famous part, uh, maybe of the entire Bible, um, of Jesus coming into the world and and uh, what we know of is the nativity scene and, and this, uh, this setup. And, and I also get to get up here and almost just kind of get to recap a little bit about what all these wonderful, wonderful people have said about these things, which, by the way, if it's your first Advent service, every single year we ask different people to come up here and contribute, except for, you know, I always get to kind of finish it up. But I'm shocked every single year at how well everyone does. Are you not blown away? Yeah, you can clap for them. It's... It, uh, it's, easy, it's easy to be judgmental when someone speaks in front of a thousand people over four services, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people over a weekend, but it's pretty nerve wracking. I, I do it every single weekend and I'm nervous right now. I'm nervous every single weekend. So it's, it's a big deal that people come up here and do that. But um, okay, let me read this to you and then um, I'll close it out. We'll take communion together and uh, we'll sing a song to, to dismiss. Okay, this is what it says in Luke chapter two. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to their own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger and after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorified and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard in which they had just been told. So all the things that these people who had come up before me talked about hope, love, joy, peace. It's, it's ironic because they all seem exceptionally elusive in our world right now, especially in the United States. We live in very uncertain times, which makes hope very scarce. We live in very confusing times where the idea of love has been twisted 
and manipulated to such an extent to where we're not really sure what that word means anymore. We live in such busy and distracting times that joy seems to be more of an Instagram post or a slogan on a coffee mug than it is an actual state of how we live. And we've become such aggressive people that peace seems like the things of of fairy tales. So we celebrate Advent. If you've never heard that word before, it means by definition the, the arrival of someone notable. The arrival of someone notable. Because... We, we, we celebrate Advent because without the arrival of Christ in physical form 2,000 years ago, and without the arrival of Christ and the welcoming of Christ into our personal lives, without this arrival of Jesus, we are incapable of experiencing real hope, love, joy, or peace. It is only by knowing our creator and the creator of these positive attributes that we can live in all the things that these people talked about tonight. Jesus Jesus is the giver of all good things. And in his absence, we have hopelessness. We have hatred. We have discontentment and we have chaos. And though it seems like many people, it's still very unclear to them. But the further we move away from Jesus in our society, the further we move away from Jesus in our own personal lives, the more destructive and the more confused we become. This is what we're seeing right now in our time. Well, this is not God's intent for us. This is not what he wants for us. God desires that we know him and that we experience the benefits of knowing him. I often imagine God looking down on us right now in our current state and God yelling at us, if you would just trust me, I'll help you. If you'll just be humble and call on me, I'll help you. And maybe there's some of us in this room that that maybe need to wake up to that call tonight, today. God has a better plan for our lives and he loves us immensely. Jesus wants to give us the deeper and more important blessings in this life and he wants to prepare us for the things that are to come in the next life. But if we're to experience those things, we have to seek him first. This is the reason why God sent his son. God sent his son to show us how to live and who to follow in this life. So not only in this Christmas season, but hopefully as we go into the next year, I pray that all of us seek Jesus with all of our hearts and know that the pursuit of Jesus, with the pursuit of Jesus, comes the greater things in life. I pray that we will draw a line in the sand, not just one time, but every single day to live for Jesus Christ. Because there is no hope, there is no true love, there is no joy, there is no peace without Christ. I also want to tell you and wish you a Merry Christmas. I could not be prouder of of this church, our other campuses and and the pastors and those churches. I, I I cannot brag more about you as a congregation. Um, you're phenomenal. You're a wonderful group, and I wish you the best. I, I, I know that so many of you come from broken homes. I know so many of you come from, from difficult situations, and I hope all the things that were said tonight by the individuals who came up here, I, I hope you store those things away. I hope you think about that. 
It's funny, Phil was talking about that joy is kind of hard for him. When I look at the things that we've talked about tonight, I, I dare say all four of them are hard for me. That it's not natural for me to have hope or love or peace or joy. That we must lean into God in dramatic fashion or those things will always be elusive for us as well. It is so easy to forget what this time of year is really about. It is so easy. But it's about the arrival of the most important person, Jesus Christ. And it is a reminder that our only source of hope, love, joy, and peace is through him. I say it with all sincerity. I mean it with everything inside me. I really, really wish you a Merry Christmas today and for the rest of this week. I hope you get to rest. I hope you get to be with friends and family. I hope you experience the things that we have talked about tonight. But I want to encourage you, regardless of what your life is like right now, if you will just run after Jesus Christ. He will give you that fulfillment. He will give you that peace, that joy, that hope, that love. Not just for you, but it will spill out of you onto the people that you care about. Would you bow your heads with me, please? A couple of things. If you're new to this church or maybe you've never been here, maybe you're from out of town, we end every single service uh, doing three different things. The first one is this. If you are in this room and maybe you do not have a relationship with God and maybe something that was said tonight has sparked some questions in your mind, up here on my right, your left of the stage, Pastor Mike is up here. If you have any questions, he would love to talk with you. We're not afraid of questions around here. We also will have men and women on both sides of the stage if you need prayer for anything. If this is a tough time of year for you, if you're struggling, whatever it is, let someone pray with you. And then the last thing is this, all the way around this room, wherever you see a lamp on a table, and if you're sitting in the middle, we have communion. We do this at every single service at this church. Communion represents the fact that this, this baby boy that we sing about during Christmas, grew up and became a man, and that man died for our sins. And so the bread and the wine, everyone is welcome to take that as long as you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, which anyone can do tonight. I'm also gonna ask you this. If you get communion, come back to your seat. You can take communion either by yourself or with your family, and then we're gonna end. Kyle's gonna sing a song with us, okay? Let me pray for you, though. Father God, we love you. Lord, I thank you so much that I, I get to spend Christmas, Lord, with, with all these people that I love. God, I thank you for hope, for peace, for love, for joy. We, 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 we thank you, God, for the promise of, of a greater future, Lord. We thank you, God, for eternity. We thank you, Lord, that you would welcome people who have made mistakes like us and that you would show us great mercy and love. God, I pray blessings over everyone in this room, Lord. I pray all the things we talked about tonight that they would experience those attributes through you. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You're welcome to take communion. Thank you so much.